You're listening to Main Character Energy, a podcast that'll teach you how to become that bitch. Main Character Energy gives you a behind the scenes look at how some of the world's most impactful disruptors, innovators, and creatives came from the bottom and embodied what it means to make it in all forms. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome back to Main Character Energy. I have DeAndre Royster with me today. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to sitting down with you for quite some time. I got to just start off by saying, how's your year starting off? I see that you've been in your self-care bag. So what's 2024 like for you so far? First and foremost, thank you for having me on the show, Tiff. I really appreciate it. I'm an admirer of yours. You do incredible work and Mm -hmm. I love your balance. So I've been super excited to kind of make this happen. We've had multiple conversations leading up to this point. So here we are. But yeah, no, yeah, 2024 has been off to a great start from a personal standpoint. I've been able to really kind of dive into myself a little bit more. And I know that's kind of a vague way to put it. But what I mean is just like, you know, like you've probably seen, I've been in the gym a lot more. I've been meditating a lot more. And I've been like really on my personal journey in terms of like realigning with myself and my childlike self. I think that's probably the most important part that I probably can say. We've had like personal conversations off the record where I kind of talked about bike riding and like being an ex-athlete, like those things really come in handy because, you know, when you start working and especially in this industry, it's very demanding. You're always on call. Mm -hmm. You know, no job is ever what it seems by description. There's always like layers and levels to it. Plus, you have to have like a side gig. And so what ends up happening is you become so professional and you become so work forward that you kind of forget like the little things that kind of makes you who you are. It makes you enjoy all of this stuff in the first place. And if you're not, you know, careful, you'll stray so far away from what brought you to where you are in the first place that you kind of get lost in the middle. And you're like, where was I even going with this? What was the idea here? And it was so clear in the beginning. And then you get to, you know, everything is so money based. But to say the least, 2024 is off to a great start. And I've been realigning with my childlike self and the things that made me who I am. So I don't think a year could have started off any better for me. Yeah, at this point. That makes me so happy. And again, yeah, we talked about this off the record because you know that it's so important to always talk about that part of the journey. Like, you know, you have such an extensive career that we're going to dive into and talk all about the things that you've done in the workplace. But I had to note that because just seeing you get to experience some black boy joy and really get into like the, you know, taking care of your inner child. It's something that, you know, sparks the creativity, keeps you going, keeps you grounded, like you said. And so that's so important. We'll get back into that later in the episode, too, because I'd love to hear a little bit more about that balance and how you do stay intentional with incorporating that into your routine. Because, right, the year can start off and we have these great intentions and Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's kind of fall off the wagon and it's this. You can fall off. Yeah, 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 but. But you are an immediate industry veteran, and I know that you have, at this point, like 13 years of experience in, you know, in media. And so everything from, you know, working at CBS Radio in Orlando, and then I know you transitioned to help launch iHeartMedia's first urban station in Orlando, and then that transitioned you to working at iHeart in New York. Like, that's what you're doing here. And everything else in between, I know you did freelancing as a podcast producer and working for Anchor, the former, you know, Spotify for podcasters. Yep. That's that is an incredible experience. I'd love to hear like a little bit about your journey and yeah, what that process was like and how that kind of led you to where you are now. First off, kudos to you. Your journalistic research is just like phenomenal. Like I haven't heard anybody reference any of our like post twenty twenty work in a very long time. So thank you it's so important. much. It's important. Of course. Uh, yeah. The journey's important. Too, so I'd love to hear. Yeah, you forget a lot of that stuff. No, so early on I kind of had this idea that I wanted to work in the media space, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So when I got my second degree, well when I went to when I transferred to UCF after leaving Eastern Michigan, I kind of had this idea like I wanted to do a restart because I was doing like the whole you know, business major. I was doing like the stuff that was going to be safe that I felt was going to have a job afterwards. And what ended up happening was like kind of had this like, I guess, epiphany. But I was just like, I want to work in media and I don't care. Like everyone was telling me not to. I had people kind of like trying to sway me like, oh, you should be a civil engineer. You're really good. And all this other stuff. And I just got to a point where I was like, no, I'm just going to go for it. And I've seen so many people graduating with degrees and 
they would be in a field that had nothing to do with it. And I kind of understand now as an adult, you know. So anyways, fast forward, I got an opportunity to intern at CBS Radio as a promo assistant at that time, which then I joined. I was diving into radio rather at a time radio was dying. And I was like, well, I know audio creativity is going to live on. It's the earliest medium of all mass communications. And I was a mass comm major at that time. And I wanted to have access to an industry that was going to be prevalent no matter what, because humans love to communicate. You know, humans love to tell stories. Humans love to share experiences, which is why we're here at this moment right now. So yeah. I ended up getting on in radio. And then I just got to a point where I was like, I'm sorry, my emails for some reason I just want to actually do anyway. Sorry. But so okay. I got to a point where I just wanted to I wanted to actually be a creator in the space and not just a person who was just around it. Like I wanted to have hands on and I wanted to have impact and I wanted to mold it especially for people who were on the underside of it, who weren't as mainstream or I guess, you know, didn't have the main character availability or people didn't think they had it at least. So when radio started to die, we started to have this freeform content of podcasting, which was very early on. And I knew about it because I did podcasts because I did internet radio at my station. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, at my university at UCF for NiceCast Radio. And so oh, we nice. didn't have like, so the bandwidth was horrible. Our servers were weak, like, if 20 people logged on to listen at the same time, it would crash. So I had, to, I had to start archiving and then like sharing them ahead of time. So I would release new music on it, promote new music, talk about content that was like, you know, prevalent to student body organizations or just people who were, you know, going to school in general and undergrad at that time. And so I was podcasting before I knew I was podcasting and then I would edit everything down. And then before I can get on air, it was another alternative. So I went on SoundCloud, I put up a SoundCloud. And I put all my earliest audio files on there, but they ended up flagging those later on because they have music in them. I, I didn't know I was violating before the whole music conversation. <laughs> you were ahead of the game. I was yeah. ahead of the game. <laughs> and so anyways, I got to a point where I came to New York because I had done so well in radio and I felt like radio was at a point where it was like, you can only do so much more in that space. And I seen podcasts was starting to become a more industry norm. Podcasting was starting to become more of an industry norm. And I was like, you know, if I can help people kind of mold their brands, because I was already doing mine and I was just like, yeah, I love doing mine. But my goal was to build something where people like us could have a, an available platform and monetize their brand and live off their creatorship and not have to supplement their income by, you know, working a nine to five and then dragging themselves in front of the mic and giving themselves what they had left over from that day. So I was like, if we do this business right, we could probably create an industry where we can have labels of, you know, creators who kind of get paid like record labels, except a little bit more transparent. So that's what brought me over to podcasting. So I started freelancing when I left radio. I worked at Power 105 when I was an executive producer and a programmer, the owner of Talent and DJ. So I was doing that stuff for like eight years. And I was like, what's next for me? And I wanted to have more creative control and more freedom. And that's what brought mm -hmm. me to podcasting. And then Anchor reached out once they seen me started to like, I was like pushing new creators. I think I like distributed 25 creators in like one day. I was wow. helping them edit down their podcast, kind of carve out their niche and their content. I was helping them produce, you know, and then kind of like create ownership at the same time. So people didn't really know, like you can create all this content, this amazing, engaging, amazing and engaging stuff. And then you can see somebody else rip that same stuff from you and do it on a bigger level. And you like, hey, I did that first. And they're like, well, you didn't. You ain't license it. You know, if you don't own the IP for your ideas, you know, they can be taken from you at any given time because you're just like you're freestyling in an open market and then people take it and run with it. And then you're like, I was the first one to do that. And it's like everyone says that. So I just didn't want to see people lose out because I've given away. We all we've all given away a lot of creative IP stuff in the workplace. Unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, because we don't you know, it's we trying to get we're trying to get on. We're not we're unsure. And then we get on and then we're sure. And then the business is kind of already done from the early stages. And then when you try to like redo the business, they're like, nah, you know, so it depends on what your situation is. But most importantly, it, it just came from a place where I started seeing the business of things come very weird and murky. And it was really hard to navigate for people who had just got to the space of, you know, creative content. And these people who have amazing voices or journeys or stories, and they're telling mm -hmm. these things and they're just doing it openly because they're like, I just want to do it. I just want to get it out there. But then I realized in the business side of it is, Someone's looking for an idea that they can poach and take it to who's already established and then refresh their brand and then they can live off your creative prowess, whether you know it or not. And I was just urging people to try to get the business right if they could, if myself included. And then that's what brought me to eventually go to Anchor because I was like, look, OK, if I can help the machine from the inside, like we all think we can do, if I can get inside the machine and kind of retinker some things, I can help creatives get on platforms, make money, get established 
build their brand while leveraging the, you know, internal relationships here at these creative platforms, such as Anchor, which then it got acquired by Spotify. So then by that right, I was at Spotify and then Spotify brought me in for sports and gaming editorial and podcasting side. So I would create and kind of curate content for sports and gaming mm -hmm. podcasters. So we would like help middle tier and lower tier or newer tier or like creators. Like we will basically introduce them to the bulk or the, the broader listener and try to get more listenership, more engagement, increase opportunity mm -hmm. to really kind of leverage their brand and monetize it more, which I thought was super ambitious because there were yeah. so many people putting content on Spotify at the time. It was like, how do we pick these people? Right. So it took right. literally hundreds of hours each week to like scour through all of our creatives, all of the people who were talking from an authentic space for their community, with their community and by their community. And then we would create, you know, like green rooms for where we do live discussion with listeners, invite uh -huh. them in on Twitter or whatever platform. We would just meet listeners where they were at. We would do our deep dive in analytics. Okay, this person is really prevalent on Twitch. Let's go on Twitch and do something. You know, this person has a huge following on, you know, they game. So, right, so you're a gaming podcaster. So people love watching your stream. So we would go to their live stream, send an invite while they're streaming. Hey, we're going to do a discussion about episode five of this person's podcast from this season. We'd love to hear what you guys think. And then people would tune in. They would come in. They would jump in. We have conversations that would increase listenership. So we, we did a lot of fun, cutting edge things on that team. And then, you know, obviously layoffs started to happen. But before I got laid off or I didn't get laid off, I ended up getting an offer from Recognition Media to be the managing director of a brand new podcast award, which became the largest comprehensive award in North America. And as wow. far as we could tell, the most winners per any award. And, and it was it's like literally podcast driven. So there was no other winners that weren't podcast involved. So we're the largest dedicated podcast award probably in the industry at that time. So, yeah. So that just I know that was like a mouthful, but I was just. No, that's great. Level to kind of give the short form of it. Yeah. There, I mean, there's so many things I want to dive into. Thank you for laying that out, because it's it's. I think it's important to share that journey to not only show people what's possible and show people that, like, you know, what sometimes you don't know what your progression in life can be. Right. Exactly. So to see examples like you where you touched almost like every part of podcasting, I really love to see that. And then one question I do have as well when it comes to, you know, going from producer to editor to like on the award side and things like right. that is just actively supporting marginalized creators. Right. I, I know that you're always advocating. And then even, of course, like you said, when you were trying to like work with the machine to, you know, make these opportunities happen, like how were you able to always advocate? Like, was that, did that come down to maybe your Spotify work where you would be selecting creators of color and black creators to be able to say, hey, like, let's, let, let's give this voice a platform or how were you able to do that in your work along the way? That's that's a great question. So it kind of happened in stages. Like I always knew when I first got in radio that being a person of color and then having like locks and, you know, the way I talk and just where I come from, like everything that made me me was kind of like not the it, it wasn't what most not the norm. Yeah, it wasn't the norm. And it most definitely wasn't, you know, sellable for the most part. But then it actually was. And so I got frustrated increasingly as an on-air talent because I felt like I kept getting shelved. I kept getting pushed to the side for the run of the mill talent who was conveniently not people that look like me. And I was like, you know what, this is a consistent thing. And you can't sit here and tell me that the people that break through are anomalies. I think there's a way that we can kind of, you know, you don't have to be the super person of the crop. You don't have to be the cream of the crop always. Like where's the run of the mill talent that just get to fill in the middle levels, right? Right. Well, anyways, I say I have to say, like, I started to advocate more for independent creators as a just from my radio days, like even like most of my favorite artists are independent creators. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that freedom is an untapped market potential because it's like say that again, you get this freedom to be who you want to be. And yeah, it comes with some things, right? Like some people, you're going to turn some people off when you start leaning more into who you are as a person because they feel like it's an, an opposition to them. They feel like you're opposed to what they are because you don't talk for them. No, it's like some of us don't have enough people that really talk to the things that we've been through in our journeys. And we see so much art form come out that we gravitate like the wire. And, you know, you just see so many black narratives that don't that we gravitate towards. because there's not as many for us to kind of latch on to. That's oh. a great point. That, like, yeah. you know, things that like it's so in its truth that it builds its own cult following. Sure. Maybe it's not mainstream award recognized. 
but the culture knows it and appreciates and it embraces in a way that, it. Exactly. Yes, it's just like it's insecure. Like when you look at that first season of Insecure, we had never gotten a show like that before. And but we know this story so well. We're just so happy that it's on HBO of all places. But even if it wasn't, we would have sniffed that. Oh, we would have found that and we oh, would have yeah. shared that on our social medias. We would have talked about it in circles at work, whatever the case is. And so I feel like, you know what? Cool. Everything doesn't necessarily have to be a blockbuster per se. Like some things can just be dope within their own right and live for the moment that they need. To. And mm-hmm. that's the main idea that I had. So that pushed me in the audio realm to sneak, like to seek out independent creators, people who were putting their own money up, people who were taking time out of their day, people who didn't even know if it was going to be successful. Maybe they didn't know the business. They didn't know the marketplace. They didn't even think they like, oh, everybody has podcasts. Nobody can listen to mine. Listen, if you get 30 or 40 different people tuning in per month, whatever, like anybody that listens to your podcast makes your podcast a success. And if people interact with your work or your creative attempts, then that's a success already. And so yes. I, what I wanted to do is take my ideas and put them in a marketplace and see if they actually have value and made sense. So basically, I was tired, you know, being in an incubator. I want to get out in the world and I want to be like, OK, cool. I have these ideas. Where can I implement them and see if they're actually successful and if what I think actually makes sense or translate? And lo and behold, it did, you know, and I feel good about that. So I kept getting these opportunities based off what I believed in. And that's independent creators really make up the bulk share value of any platform that they're being featured on. And that's what I wanted to do on behalf of creators. And yeah, that was pretty audacious and ambitious. But I feel like, you know, you can't live off small gestures your whole life because you cannot because they don't move the needle. So you're like, how can I get in here and move the needle for whatever long amount of time I'm in here? And so being able to curate independent creators, sports and gaming and have them look like us and have them come from a different backgrounds that we're come from because being black is not a monolith. You got anime people, you know, you got reality show people, you know, you got, you know, people who believe. We are, we are not just the R&B category. Exactly. So I, I just I, had so, to so, say that. So, but also people don't realize like being, being black in America is like, you have to be aware of the different stuff that's going on around you at all times. But not only are you a fan of these things, you also want to like you go from just being a listener or a fan of a brand to like, I think I can see a way to make this better or to bring this to people or a different group that I think would appreciate it. And that's like the seed that started it. And then I had these many opportunities to kind of like implement my beliefs in these different roles that I was able to have luckily. And yeah, that's that's just kind of where it started. Man, you better be audacious. That is so <laughs> you like, you know what I mean? That is amazing because you are not only just speaking about it, you were being about it. I think we are very much in a time, especially post 2020, where, you know, people wanted to kind of pop up and have these missions and use these buzzwords like, you know, we are very creator focused and yeah. we really, you know, all I can't even like we really advocate for we really like amplify voices of, you know, creators of color, da da da. But the, that's why it's so important to tell your story. It is. I think that that's why it's so important. And when you talked earlier about IP and, you know, us having to make those decisions to kind of give little pieces of our IP away because we want to prove ourselves or we want to provide value for the machine or figure out how to work it from the inside because you still have this mission and you, you're like, I got to be smart about how I do this. But at the end of the day, no matter how much regret or, you know, you feel like you had a missed opportunity with like sharing IP like that. That's why telling your story is so important. I encourage anybody who's listening that, you know, continue to tell your story. Your story is, that is, that's something you will always have. And being able to see that you, this was your mission from day one. You were putting people on, you were trying to talk at this network and over here from day one, like that is period. No one can take that from you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you conceptualizing that because like we have all this resume, we have all these resumes and it's running kind of like tab work on like LinkedIn and professional sites. But the story and like the, you know, in-betweens are really important because sometimes people can tell you about like, oh, I was successful at this and I did that. Some people want to know, like, how did you get there? Like, what's the sauce? You know, we need to know the ingredients. I'm trying to where you at. What? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you share that with me? And so I wanted to be mm-hmm. one of those people. So thank you so much. Like you conceptualize perfectly. Yeah. And on that note, actually, what do you think, like in your opinion, we've kind of seen the steps to get there, but what would you say are even some common mistakes that you see aspiring podcasters make? Because we know sometimes as a creator, you might be tempted to make a deal with the devil. Yeah. You know, we hear yeah. not all money is good money. <laughs> like what? what's your advice like to help um, them in this you know market? What? That's an amazing question. And I, 
you know, I made a lot of mistakes early on myself, and I always like to share my mistakes, whether they're not mistakes I've seen other people kind of make. And a mistake that I made, because most of my mistakes are common mistakes that people still make today. And um, so respectfully, when I started podcasting, um, I didn't really have a community in mind. Like I didn't I didn't understand community engagement and what it actually meant because I didn't mm. I felt like I didn't identify with a community. I felt like, oh, I'm I'm relatable for everyone because I like this and I like that. And what it ends up sounding like is you're just into everything and you don't like you're not a pro- I ain't gonna say professional. I think that's a bad term to use. You're not a person who deep dives into a community. So people don't look at you as like you're not from here. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like so one day in my podcast, I'll talk about sports and then I'll talk about anime. I'll talk about politics and then I'll talk about current events. And then I just realized I was all over the place. And I think people love when you can they can see you and it, it kind of puts you in a it kind of puts you in a particular space, like typecasting kind of sort of. But, I see. So I, I know it's hard for people to be like, well, I don't only want to talk about one thing. No, but you can talk about multiple aspects and how they kind of impact that community that you work with. So that gives you more leverage. Right. So let's say if I'm a sports person, you know, capitalism most definitely ruins sports. A lot of times there's political stuff that happens that translates to sports all the time. There's anime stuff that inter- intersects with sports all the time. There's, you know, there's like gender inequality and in, in, in gap pay that intersects in women's basketball all the time. And so you get these opportunities to talk about these pressing things, but you can speak from it from your community. So you can still show your, di- your diversity and how well-versed you are in the ongoings of the world just from your community perspective where you primarily reside. And I wish I would have learned that early on because when I go back and listen to all of my, they're just like, all my podcast episodes are like run on, like over 30 minutes of me just rambling. And I'm like, oh, this is embarrassing to me, delete this. So I, I think people don't, people don't think about like replay value or playback value. And so mm-hmm. if you, if you're recording, you need to think to yourself five years from now, would I want to re-listen to myself at some point? Cause I listened to some of my old episodes and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I hope nobody finds this. And not because I'm like being inflammatory or saying volatile stuff. It's just boring. Like, I'm like, I wouldn't want to, in the moment, I'm like, oh, this is dope. I'm doing this. But I was just happy to, to kind of have an outlet, right? So I would right. say if you can, try to refine your brand as much as possible. Try to grow as much as possible. And don't be afraid to, like, do different things. And shorten some of that talk, like, some of that talk content. Like, I don't, I'm going to just be honest. Like, I know attention span is waning and there's so many things kind of still in our attention span every single day. Like, you can be, we're recording right now and I had to flip my phone and put my phone out of sight. So when it lights up, I don't, you know, just stare at it. So yeah, my thing is try to make content digestible for people. Break it down. You know, everything doesn't need 45 minutes, 30 minutes is probably the best. But try to make it short so people can listen to it, engage with it on our commute. Try to make it as impactful as possible and try to increase your replay value. So don't be afraid to edit that stuff down. Like, don't nobody want to hear a lot of the in-between thoughts and you thinking out loud. Some people just yes. want to hear this product. And, you know, and also you don't have to be, and another thing, try to get try to get the, the business right as much as you can, right? So even if you're so doing tell us it, more about that. Yeah. So even if you're doing it for fun, I encourage people to just record for fun. Like if you have a podcast, try to do one that you're not pushing to be like a brand or you're not trying to monetize because it keeps you balanced, right? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I think people get into podcasts and I want to make money. Listen, you it's gonna take time before it hit. So I try to tell people if it does hit really soon try to find a way to really capture your audience to make sure because you're going to have your core listeners, right? So you're going to have like the 102 people that might engage with you often or listen to or get around to your podcast. Make content for them. And that's going to get you analytics. So when you have a constant breakdown of like who's listening to your podcast, their age range, where they're from, you know, their, their way that they listen to or engage with your content, if they're active on social media, once you get that deep dive in analytics and you can break that down, you can kind of leverage that when you go out to brands and say, hey, I talk about like I'm a, like so let's say if you're a podcaster and you talk about cleaning products. Right. I love to be a homemaker podcast, whatever. I'm just throwing this out there. Yeah, and sure. You use a certain brand and then you and your people talked about it on Twitter. Y'all started the thread and you are engaged based off this episode. Take that and save that like that, that, you know, all that interaction on whatever social media platform, be it TikTok, Twitter, whatever. All that stuff is trackable. And now those are your analytics. Go to that brand if they don't reach out to you and say, hey, I have an amazing opportunity. I really love these hand wipes or these sanitation wipes that you guys have for children. 
that are eco-friendly. I want to talk about, I've been talking about it. Hey, this is what I can do for you. I can get you at least 110 people that believe in the brand. They're like, all right, cool. We'll give you some free product. Just place it in a video. Make sure that they cut a check. Don't just have them giving you product. You first know what I'm saying? So first try to, of all, yeah, get the bag. Even but... if it's a small bag, you just want to get your foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and you want to make sure that, you know, when you are talking, when you are creating a business pipeline, this is just the way that you can start monetizing and get like brands to buy in. Because the idea is how much ever it's costing you per month to create whatever the art is that you're creating, try to get that cost, you know, neutralized by brand investors that you reach out to. So if it costs you like, whatever platform you're putting your content on or whatever you're paying so hardware, software, whatever you're using, try to get that to like, you know, offset by the money that you cut. So if it costs you a hundred dollars to you know create every month, try to get at least a $200 deal brand, you know, a brand deal and try to subset costs. So I that's what I mean. That this. Yeah. So it's just little steps you want to start to use where it makes sense for you to podcast on the level that you're actually going to be creating on. And also you want to don't be afraid to take your brand out to these other brands. And, you know, they have this money that they're just literally they have the money for advertising and it's just sitting there. And I be I'm in these meetings and they're like, well, who can we reach out to to market this brand new product we're about to bring to the market? And we and I'm like, oh, I got like 10 people who I see on Twitter <laughs> talk about this very thing all the time. But they're sitting there. They're just making this content and they're not reaching out to their brands or things that they believe in or talk about. These people have marketing dollars just sitting there wait, waiting to invest. And you have to make it easy for these people to be like, all right, this is a person that swears by the brand, knows everything that we do. Let's just, you know, affiliate with them to some degree. So that's what I mean about the business. Try to find avenues to monetize your brand where it starts to break even first. And then you start to actually make money off the brand step by step. And, and you kind of build, you know, and you build a rapport and a track record. And you've been around for a while, people just start throwing money at you to just talk about anything just to get the engagement going because, you know, that's real life marketing right there. It doesn't get any better than that. And that's what the best thing about podcasting is it's people talking about the things they do and love. So it's like it's a community already. Tap in and try to, you know, get some type of, you know, cash flow going to monetize your brand. I'm sorry, that was like a glob. No, that was so good. Okay. I, I could not let I could not interrupt that. There was so many gems dropped, and I'm so glad that you shared. The big thing that stood out for me, too, is that they have these advertising dollars. Yes. The money is there. And I think from the other side, a lot of creatives think that, well, it's oversaturated. There's already people getting those bags. Or they think that the brands will come to them. Right. Or they might be just reaching out to a few, but not necessarily making it. Like, I kind of try to say, hey, either, you know, either have somebody else do it for you, like outsource that or work with somebody who does that. Mm -hmm. Or... Be intentional about kind of incorporating that outreach and thinking about what brands are really aligned with what I'm saying. Yes. What things do you already use and believe in and it's talk about on here? Like, perfect. you know, we're recording on Riverside. Right. That's something yeah. that, <laughs> shout out to Riverside. I'm glad you say that. That's a, We need people like you to continue to like make that normal conversation with creators because you'll be surprised how much people don't know. And like people, I'm like, you occupy the space too much to not know about it. Like, you know, everything like like we use Apple products. Like I have a like I'm using a MacBook right now. Like most of the products that I look around my electronics are like Apple. So yeah. it's like I'm already. Apple, you better sponsor. Yeah, like, right here. And I know. No, I'm not. Saying Apple, like, <laughs> no, I know. Back, so you actually. No, they're not. But you're right, though. But my thing is, like, if you look around and you see the stuff that you use every day, like especially now, because we're hyper. We're like. We're hyperactively seeking out independent and like like black owned brands for the most part. Like I'm when I'm thinking about things that I want to buy from the house, I'm like, let me see if it's an independent person who I can go directly to and support their business. Like Absolutely. that's what I'm so now we've never been this like conscious and intentional about where we put the value in terms of brand. So now it's like you can be an independent owner and really live because people are looking for these brands that are not only personable brands, but they you know, support the same, you know, beliefs that they do. So it's like we're trying to align as much as we can. So just my 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 thing is make it easy for people to find you and try to reach out to these people. And even if the only support you can do is just like like an ad read and just or work it in, you know, like it could be normal. It could be natural. You can edit it in, however, but just do an ad read and say, hey, I really love I love the, the beeswax that you make. I want to interact. I love the honey that you harvest. You got your own honey bee farm. I want to support that. It's eco-friendly. We want to make sure the bees don't go extent. I'm going to put my dollars with you. I'll read an ad. Just send me some product. I love your honey, right? 
it could be something that simple. And it's so fun because it's like it gives you another edge of of things to chase. So I just think it, it, I love that. it makes it a little bit more real. So instead of you just sitting in front of a mic recording something, uploading it and then throwing it into the abyss, try to make your brand interactive as much as you can, because you'll reap the benefits in many ways, more than just monetization, but more so with familiarity and rapport. And yes. once you get that, once you're, community. yeah, exactly. And once you're established in that community as a valid person and you speak for, with, and to it, the possibilities are endless at that point. I know there's people who needed to hear that. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I do want to take it as like, even like one more step back. So those, you know, that advice is for people who of course are aspiring podcasters are, are kind of emerging, just started at the early stages, maybe even coming up on a few years of podcasting and they want to take it to the next growth level. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about people who are considering. Right. I know a lot of people who are like, I want to start the podcast this yeah. year, 2024. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. And I shared this with you, but I, I just want to share with the audience that I always encourage my clients to go for podcasts, whether they are, right. you know, like hosting one, starting yeah. their own or being a guest on podcasts. Right. And you'll right. see that a lot in this in this media market, a lot of publicists and, you know, communications professionals are encouraging podcast use podcasts, you know, guest interviews for people that they are helping get their brand out, get their voice out, because there's so much impact. Like you said, people are on the go. Mm -hmm. People are, can be very, you know, audio focused and they're consuming so many things, but there's a chance to actually get on a podcast, share your story and kind of get just like a more well-rounded view of yourself right. out to people yeah. as compared to like, you know, maybe having a mention in an article or right. maybe somebody seeing, you know, a snippet of you on an award stage or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about just the benefits of people who are starting and like why they should lean into it and not be scared. Where can they start? Like any tips for just kind of getting the wheels turning, even if you're not an experienced person who's been on the radio and been on front of the camera and you might be kind of like shy to start this. First off, I love the fact that you encourage, you know, all the people that you work with to use podcasting as a viable avenue to market themselves, build brand familiarity and just overall be a part of the conversation of whatever community that they partake in. That is such a beautiful thing to encourage and advocate on behalf of. And you're amazing for that. To get to the answer, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. I think for, sometimes we speak from a perspective, or at least I do as a professional, because I do this by trade. I think sometimes I talk about it like it's so easy. And some things are very hard for certain people, especially like even for me, there's I hit a mile, like I hit a point where I was giving out so much of my life just in terms of podcasting, being on the radio doing interviews, doing, you know, whatever. I just was so, like, even social media. And then one day, like, my anxiety just shot through the roof. I was like, why am I telling so much about myself? Like, these Let's talk about it. Oh, my. I was like, I am, it felt weird. I was like, what am I actually doing at this point? I was like, do I need to say most of the things that I say? Do I need to do most of the things that I do? Is it, can I still be, right, can I still be successful without giving away so much of my inner sanctuary and how I kind of go about my life and my day. And so my advice to anybody is to just like you're learning how to swim, like just stand in the water first, like put your foot in there, stand up in it first. So when I say that, my example directly translating to podcasting would be record a small episode first. Do like, you know, do something where like if you got the means, right? So if you got you have a mic, you have a software that you can use, or even if you're just recording directly into your laptop, make sure it sounds good. First and foremost, make sure your sound quality is the best it can be. And then when you get in there and start recording, have an angle. Like if you love reality television, talk about that until you get tired. Right. And then listen to it multiple times before you release it and then send it to someone who really is going to be trustworthy and giving you real good feedback. Like, hey, I ain't like this. I didn't like that. I did this. And you can do whatever with that you know, feedback you want to. Right. But my point is you want to take small steps first and then you want to make sure you build a way for people to engage with you, even if it's only five people. So like I use Twitter a lot because I'd have random thoughts throughout the day and I just throw them out there. And so if you love I, it's X, sorry, but I call it Twitter. I'm, no, no, I'm, we call it Twitter. I'm openly over here. rebellious. Right. I'm I'm I'm, I'm call you what your mother what's your mother named you. Your mother named Twitter. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Twitter. Right. So but yeah, so like find somewhere a medium that you feel you feel good interacting with people. Like take it in small steps first and you'll see the reception of the little things that you put out. Now, it's going to be mum at first because it's going to be new. 
humans don't like new things for the most part. You know, it takes some time to really kind of ingratiate yourself with humankind. Like no matter what product, no matter how dope your product eventually turns out, the first wave of your product, people are going to be like, mm, that's unfamiliar. Okay. Then the second wave, I'm like, oh, I heard of this before. Then that third wave, they're going to be like, David making some good points over there. Let me listen and interact a little bit. So it's like, take it slow at first. Do like a episode, like come up with the name, come up with the premise. Make sure like you have a blurb and, and you don't want it to be like run on. You know what I'm saying? Like get straight right. to your blurb. So Capture that attention. Yeah. People. Yeah. You so know we, how we think how think how people, how you consume with mm-hmm. content, right? Lean into the way that you find new content and consume new content because chances are there's a community for the way that you engage with new stuff. And yeah, so do that first. So you want to put your foot, you want to stand up in the pool first and, and start walking to the deep end until you can't feel your feet. So you can't feel the floor up under your feet. Then you learn how to float a little bit. So you, that's the more ambitious side where you start jumping on social media, advocating or behind, on behalf of your brand, telling people about it in co- casual conversation. If they want to come on a podcast, it's the swim part. Now you start interacting. You want to, okay, I can float in the water. Let me, let me do a couple strokes, make sure I don't drown. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So my, my analogy there in the direct translation is start to reach out to other creators because now you are part of the field. So reach out to people that talk about the same stuff that you like or don't like and collaborate with them. It could just be a small 10 minute, you know, feature on their podcast, maybe a collaborative write up, maybe a newsletter feature. Yeah. It could be anything. And so now you look down, you swimming, you didn't did two laps. And now people know you as the swimmer, like that person can swim. Now that's your identity. That's where that comfort comes in. So I use that as like a loose translation of how I think people who never podcast or never recorded before can get in there. But just you don't want to take on too much at once because it could be traumatizing. Like that first feedback on your podcast and they call in the trash that I know people that ran the other way. No, this person look coming. They didn't like what I said about their favorite actress. They called me this. They called me that. I'm like, listen, that's how you know your content is impacting. I know it sounds crazy, but people going to be people hate a valid voice sometimes. What it is, you know, yeah. especially if you were speaking from a place of sincerity, you aren't just trying to inflate this whole situation. If you were speaking right. from a place of sincerity, your favorite show, and you just didn't like the episode and you thought it was horrible and it didn't add to the plot line, and then somebody jumping your podcast comments like, You suck, you don't know what you're talking about, you didn't get the metaphors and the secondary storylines to support, like, that's what you want. Like, you want that. Like, so that's daunting to you. Just take baby steps because once you start impacting, you're going to have to accept the bad with the good, but that's how you know you're going in the right direction. I love that. You're stepping onto this platform. You're you're exposing yourself. You are being exposed. And it, it kind of reminds me of like when you start to get, yeah, trolls on your TikTok videos and mm-hmm. things like that. Like you're starting conversations. You're going to be a little more out there than you're used to. And nice. I think that kind of goes really well with your swimming and kind of being in the water analogy, which which is great, by the way. I think that's some really great advice because people are constantly kind of telling me that, yeah, like I feel really like I don't want to be perceived, but I have a lot to say. Right. When you, can, <laughs> you have a like, you can't have it both ways. You're either going to be you out can't. here or, and that's going to come with this. A two way channel communication is right. So but I'm so happy you said that too, because there are a lot of people who are very fearful of the interaction and the open, like, cause people can get to you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, you, cause people don't realize a lot of, most people are very sincere in the things that they talk about or dive into. So I try to tell them like, don't accept no disrespect either. Like don't nobody, don't no. let nobody disrespect you. But at the same time, you have to, if a person has a valid critique of your take, I think that's what scares people away. It's like somebody going to actually listen to my work and care enough to say something back. That's the beauty. Right. You know what that's I mean? what it really is. It's, yes. It's and if you're a little afraid, then that's a good thing. Like lean right. into that because yes. you have something important to say. Yep. And you know it. And there's so many people who I guess, you know, that's why I love audio as a medium because yeah. I know that I love I love to speak. I love keep I'm I mean I'm also a communications. But I said you're an orator, you're natural. Like, yeah, you're I'm an orator. <laughs> I like a voice note. I like audiobooks. Like there's some there's something about that form that I like. And people who are thinking about podcasting, just do it because I know there's so many pieces of content and our heads spin. Like we're like, should I start a newsletter? Should I be a TikToker? Should I be now you can be an ill-linked influencer? And everyone's like, oh my God, like I don't like to post all these videos or maybe right. like I'm not like a people aren't on Twitter like we are. Loves this Twitter. <laughs> right. But it's some things aren't native and natural to people. So do yeah. what's natural to you. Right. If you're not, if you don't feel like you can talk 
and like you said, like recording something and talking at length and waiting in that pool, that's such an important step because you might realize that you hate it. Yeah. So try that's it. so true. That is a big, big, big thing I tell people. You might get in the podcast and realize this is not for me. I'm more of a I'm more of a wordsmith, so I like to write. I'm more of a writer. And that's fine. But the thing about it is like you have to get in that realm first and you have to get in there. Like you don't know what it's like to swim unless you got gotten in a pool and swim. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just it is what it is. So you're right. You got to get in there. I tell people, get in there and break something. Get your hands dirty. You know, mess something yes. up. And then you'll figure out if this is really for you or not. You know, otherwise it's all advice. speculative and theoretical and, and that never really moved the needle. So, you know. Absolutely. Be ready to be out there exposed, like get ready for the fame. Yeah. But <laughs> also, this is the last thing too. Like in people who are starting podcasts, stop looking at someone who's wildly successful and who's already made it. Look Say that. Them. Like keep your eyes focused. You know where you are and what you are doing. What you want to do is make sure your brand is as sound as possible because when and if it does take off, you want to be, you don't want to have to go back and delete stuff and rework your earlier stuff because you finally figured it out. Focus on yourself. Don't do all this wild stuff that people doing and stop listening to everybody too. Like do what's in your means and make sure that everything you do is to the best of your ability. I tell people pour into what you're doing at the moment. All that. Oh, I should start a, I should start a, a, a letter for, listen, you, you'll get to that. Worry about that when it, when it needs to right now, make sure you get the steps in front of you. Right. Like you can't, if you just learn how to swim, you can't be trying to race with somebody who's yeah. doing open, doing five different styles of strokes and coming back down and going back up in record time. You got to get in there and learn your own pace. It really is yeah. a marathon. I know people say that a lot, but it really is a marathon. It's a marathon. I'm looking Indeed. at people who have already made it as your guide because they're they're too far out of there. They're not where you at. They already did the stuff. Blinders. Yeah. Blinders. You got to keep the blinders on and you got to be creating more than you're consuming at some Actually, point. That's, too. A, that's, that's another thing. You got to be put your creator hat on. You can't keep consuming a lot of stuff because then you start trying to, you know, they're directly influencing you. Right. So that's you how you to, get lost. That's how you stray away. I, that's what identity. What is it called? Identity. Identity crisis kicks in. Yep. Like yep. a lot of people have identity crisis because they get to the middle where they're going. And like, what was I even doing anyway? You stop looking around so much. Like cool. your race is your race. Speak for people that buy into you and that are what you are. And then the people that are adjacent to your community, give them a glimpse of what it's like to be where you at. You know, people love that type of stuff. Transport them to where you are and kind of be the eyes and ears for them. And people will, people will go along on that ride with you. You just got to believe in your journey and stop, you know, taking in so much content that's not yours. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ooh, amen. That. And that's my, that's actually my piece of advice. And I would say like mistakes. You saying that just reminded me that I've, I've definitely been there with that like kind of identity crisis mode where I start, you know, I start something that I'm so passionate about. I, I'm I'm all in. I'm 10 toes down. Like, this is me. This is like, this is my brainchild. And then, you know, of course, you get in the mix. You start to kind of see other things. You stray away a little bit. And then something that always brings me back is when I see someone else trying to almost like execute some of the ideas that I know that I had from the start yep. or see different versions of things that I'm like, I was onto that already. Like, hold on, wait, wait, hold on. I, I knew I had something <laughs> and you can kind of come back and be living in that. But it's so easy. Like it's almost impossible because at some point I'm also a researcher very right. much. Like, yep. so I, I like to be able to see, of course, the market and what's going on, but you have to be able to turn on and off that consume create. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I love that you brought in that, that dynamic of being, of wearing multiple hats in this realm, because as much as you want to just kind of live in your own world and be a little, a little, like a little healthy delusion here and there to make it seem, you know. Oh, we're happy. all about healthy right. delusion yeah. here. So as much as you want to live in that realm, you wear so many different hats, right? So it's like, man, like can't afford to not know what's going on in the marketplace. So I kind of kind of pick my head up and look around and see who doing what. And then after a while, I'm like, oh, that's working. I never thought of that before. Let me implement some of that and what I got going on. So you're right. It's, it's a it's a healthy balance to it all. So it's almost kind of like unfair to tell someone unless you're only a talent and you have a team that's pushing you, which is beautiful. Right. That's ideal. You know, but at the same time, a lot of us are everything. We're our own researcher, our own writer, our own editor, producer, whatever, right? And yeah. so it's tough because you kind of have to see what's going on in the marketplace that you can adapt to and then kind of go from there. So it's a tough spectrum of emotions that you kind of have to go through to be a creator on this level. 
But that's why my biggest point is like, do what you do well and do that in spades, right? And then that other stuff will kind of like come to you and you'll figure it out. But you're absolutely right. I go through a lot of, listen, I start stuff because I'm so geeked and hyped. And then five months into it, I started losing, you know, my energy towards it. And I'm, then I start feeling like I got imposter syndrome. You don't know what you're doing right now, bro. Yeah. Yeah, and it, so and it you happens. come back yeah. to it because you know that you are, that's where that main character energy has to kick in. That's where we talk about that healthy delusion mm -hmm. and having the audacity because you have to come back and say like, no, yeah. I'm an, I am an expert in my field. Right. I always teach my clients, like people are so afraid to call themselves experts or like that they are a voice in this space. If yeah. they're so afraid, they're like, I don't want to be an expert. And it's like, it's okay. Like it, you'd be surprised. Like so many people do not want to be associated, but you have to remind yourself, no, I know what I'm doing. I've gotten paid to do this. People have sought me out to do this. People want my opinion. My voice is valuable. My voice is valid. And I'm that bitch. And that's you a, really that, have to do that. A, you really a, have to do that and bring it back. And then, and then you can get right back into whatever you were doing. That's a fact. You're absolutely right. I love the way, like, listen, like you, I love your clients are really lucky people if they've landed in your realm. Like, uh, because Thanks, honestly, it really is one of those things where sometimes you got to tell yourself, like, you know, I've, I've always shied away from being an expert. Like, I never wanted to say I'm an expert because I feel like I'm always still learning. And I feel like for as many successes I've I had, I've had some failures, some blunders along the way, too. And but that's life and that's never going in. And I think sometimes we're so afraid because this world is so unforgiving. It's like you make one cardinal mistake and it could be a year years before you even get back to where you was before you fail so some people are afraid of that failure because it might knock them back a few steps and then they got to work their way back up but there's no way to avoid that if you're going to be ambitious or if you're going to be creating because to live to be in part of this mess anyway so who knows but my point being is that that range of emotions are healthy you don't always want to yeah. be high you don't always want to be low you kind of want to check in because that's how you know you're doing it right you're like all right i'm all over the place because anytime you're cause like 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 healthy delusion is dope, but unlimited delusion. <laughs> no, healthy. <laughs> so I can get some balance. You know what I'm saying? So I I, so I, I love what you said. I love a healthy yeah. delusion. I hope everyone yeah. remember a healthy delusion. We're about healthy right. delusion you, here. Be careful with that delusion because the world is not going to reinforce how dope you are. The world is going to undervalue you so they can get all your dope content at a premium price. Uh, or at a discounting price and they don't want to pay you premium. And if they tell you, don't you start, you know, yeah, so it's, it's a balance. Like it's, it's a delicate balance. I will say some of the smartest, most creative, most talented people I know are too humble. That's like, like that the most, off. like yeah. the most mid people will be loud and oh, proud. And then the most brilliant people are like, I, listen, I'm still learning. I'm an, I'm not an expert. <laughs> That is, Don't you see oh, that? That is so funny. And I think it's a learned behavior for me because coming up, I see all the dope people. You wouldn't even know it was really a part of making everything that you love come true. And they just being, they, nah, it's, it's, you know, I'm cool. I'm all right. But then the person who didn't do no work or just kind of tagged along, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of this. I do that. They beat their chest really loudly. And you're absolutely right. All of the dope people that I know who are super impactful, who bring a lot of things to life that I probably... Are, that made my life better per se like they wouldn't even tell you it just comes out casually in a conversation you'd be like you ain't that's too cool you ain't acting normal right now you are a whole super person like what's going on with right. you like you ain't gonna I've tell always this respected I, that. Tell people, i'll tell people who you are here i'll give your work right now that's what happens though then they have people like that because we see it we know it yeah. we will speak on their behalf but we will always speak them into rooms mm -hmm. and that's the power of community it comes back to what you're saying when you're Absolutely. starting a podcast when you're creating Build that community. Like, yep. be so, so, people are on social media not being social and yeah. looking yeah. and not supporting. Pro like, again, you, not every friend of yours has to support every project. Like, okay, right. your, your, your content's for your target audience. Right, right. But in general, building community of intentional people who are building things and can speak you into rooms. And then also learning how to, I stopped using the word humble brag. I read a book, I spoke about this in an earlier episode, but. Ever since I read this book called Brag Better, it's really taught about how to like have this shameless self-promotion where it is, you know, healthy delusion and you're just speaking on facts because the thing is, 
when you've done things, like maybe you've created things that have, yeah, are super dope, have impacted people's lives. You're kind of a legend, but people don't even really know or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You can speak on these things without sounding like an asshole. That's so like Because yep. these are just facts about your life. Like, D, you, you're, when you're talking about your expertise, you're like, yeah, no, I, I worked at these places. I did X, Y, Z. Yep. That's not bragging if you're just talking about what you did. And it gives people an idea of, okay, oh, I would have never known that if you didn't say it. So that's the power of speaking on yourself. And if people aren't speaking on themselves, speak on speak for yeah, them say I something that. to them that perspective is is super important i'm so happy that you said that just like a really quick adage on that thought mm -hmm. it's a part of like unlearning too like when you become a creative you have to unlearn some of the things that seem braggadocious because some of the things we've been taught early on like to be humble don't tell people about your successes i i wonder how much of that was taught by an establishment that you know just wanted to continue to devalue and value and overvalue themselves that you've been a part of and that so part. I tell creatives, like, it's okay to tell people you got a podcast and be like, yeah, I just did it. If something happens to you, like, I just talked about this on my podcast. Like, that's fine to slide that in there because that's an actual event that happened. Like, that's not a brag. And yeah, I'm sure people probably be like, here comes such and such talking about their podcast again. You damn right, because I worked my ass off for this. So I'm going to bring it up. Like, it's okay. I didn't learn that until, I didn't learn that until probably like after I left, I want to say radio. Or okay. I didn't learn about, you know, you get because you just start normalizing how dope things are that you do or are a part of and, and have successful things. Failures too, because for what it, what it's worth, that happens. That's a media thing too. I think like just yeah. you know, I, I having worked in media for a long time as well, and you're just kind of always in that mix. So like you're mm -hmm. kind of meeting talent a lot, different celebrities being in certain spaces. So it's kind of like it is kind of conditioned to like. Yeah. downplay that and it really is cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i get that like, part of it wow you know like no like you know I, this this happened you know so but i love your perspective on that though yeah please like hum, humble you. humble brag don't exist just talk about what you do just and, say it yeah and some people are just not jealous don't spare their feelings like don't like people go hate man like we have to normalize Period. the fact that average human is a hater and and i'm not saying that to make anybody mad that average human is a right. hater like it's a fact you find when you find people in life who clap for you, who generally share your work and want to be like, like, please cherish those people and and make sure the cycle is is is, is really always complete between it. Because you're going to meet more haters than you will meet supporters than you meet supporters. And that's just the way that this works. So, you know, it comes with the territory. So normalize that and normalize talking about the dope stuff that you're a part of. Like, yes, please. A word, a word. DeAndre, amazing. What excites you like the most looking ahead at the future of audio mm. podcasting? Like things are becoming so audio focused, which I love. Right. Yeah. So what do you kind of see as the next big, maybe like opportunities or right. even challenges for audio in the industry? I think the thing that excites me the most is how prevalent audio is coming again and for what it's worth, I love the fact that audio will always be around no matter what. And I love the level of creativity that is starting to come. Like the levels of sonics that I'm hearing with some of these more themed or, you know, nonfiction, I'm sorry, or fictional works in podcasting. It's like a movie in your ears. And if you close your eyes, you can really see like this person taking footsteps or you hear this in these multi, I can only imagine what the screen looks like when they're editing all of these different, you know, files in. But I look at it like it's starting to get to a point where it's damn near like audio cinema and sit there and listen to audio these advanced cinema. level of editing and detail and thoughtfulness, thoughtfulness and the amount of storytelling that's starting to come into it. Like I love freeform talk, interview style. All those things are amazing. But the other side of how far you can take this stuff to me, with the new technology that people can have on their laptop to put together a 30-minute episode that pushes storylines and feels like an HBO show that you've been listening or watching for like two seasons, that to me is what excites me. That level of creativity, and I want to see that become more prevalent where people create, you know, these universes, kind of like Marvel, but just like audio-based, audio, audio based, right? Yeah. I love where it's going in terms of that, and I want to be more a part of that. Like, the stuff that it's not just like a fleeting hot topic or whatever. I want to be a part of that stuff that gets dope where you can like, I can go back and watch my favorite Sopranos episode from season two, right? Or season three. 
I want to be able to do that with audio creative, like with audio franchises. I want to be able to go back to your first season and be like, oh, so this is where the seed of descent was sold for Queen to off the king, right? So I just love storytelling and I love how far people are like really pushing it. And the cost of it hopefully can, you know, for the average creator to be able to have, you know, that much access to, you know, that many resources to be able to make that happen. I want to see that kind of balance out over time, just like independent film creators can get a camera, some some software, you know, hire a couple of roundaway people who do stage plays and they homies who've been trying to act for a minute, but probably can't. And they make an independent film or a short film that you love to this day. Back in like 2012, they made it. You go back and rewatch it like, oh, this, this was so raw. This was that so dope. Vibe. Yeah. So I want that same thing to kind of translate to audio. So there's some catching up because. You know, obviously, you know, the visual medium is a little easier to sell than the audio medium. But when you come up on something dope, regardless whether it's visual based or audio based, whatever it is, you're going to gravitate towards it. And to me, it's the storytelling, and the level of creativity I'm starting to see come out. I, I encourage that more. And I would love to be a part of the process, either at least create a franchise Speak of my it. own. Yeah, I think that's Speak beautiful. it. That is amazing. I really hadn't even opened my eyes up to that. And even as you were describing that, I... Again, you know, I love audio, but I could already kind of visualize. And I think that's kind of an amazing thing to switch up your media intake is to listen, have your own visuals of things and close your eyes and be able to get really creative and yeah. kind of take you into another zone. I think that that would be a really cool, that's a really cool future, really cool, you know, thing for you to invest in, be a part of. So I, I hope I get to see that Absolutely. from you. Thank you. And the last I thing know too, we will. The last thing too, I'm excited about journalists now are turning to the audio medium a little bit more with all of these layoffs. So you're starting to see some of your more favorite writers. Yeah. You're starting to see some of your favorite writers really jump off into the field of audio and really develop in their own podcast because some of the mm. stuff that they can't now really publish or won't be allowed to publish when you see all of these major, you know, media outlets laying off these incredible journalists who you've probably read, reading columns from for the last 15 or maybe not, maybe five, 10 years, right? And now this is the space where they flock to because they still have to tell these stories, all these in, important things that are happen, happening in history. Because if there's one thing we really know, 10 years from now, somebody gonna try to rewrite some of the stuff that was going on. Oh and we're gonna God. be like, no, we got the receipts, bruh. Y'all was talking different back in 2020. We have the receipts. <laughs> and that's why journalism will never die. It, and it has, we have to always support real journalism as much as we can. Can't like I advocate so much because real journalism is so hard, it's underpaid, and it's often underappreciated. And now they have fewer and fewer platforms to really leverage their work on. So we have to really support great journalists after these layoffs who are going to jump off in the audio medium and work with them. Help them bring their stories to life and make it compelling and as dope and as marketable as possible so we can continue to get all of the information that we need from the people who are there when it happens and they're unfiltered, unadulterated, and unbiased. We need to support those journalists as much as we can. And I look forward to the audio medium being more kind to them than their, you know, respective or old respective employers. I think that would, that's that to me wow. is going to be the next step. You just blew my mind with that. I've been so passionate lately about thinking of ways to support journalists and through all of this like you know those are our counterparts in the PR world and I have a journalistic background as well so just seeing how important it is to like you said keep these receipts yes things like even just think about human nature and how for generations we've been passing down things through storytelling yeah. through speaking through you know oration like this it's so important yeah. and so to get journalists to be having their own podcast and speaking more on this, I think people are craving it. Yes. I'd love to get your opinion on something, as a matter of fact. Okay. This topic came up in a recent group. Shout out to the PR Lunch Hour with Tanya and Tamara. Every Friday on LinkedIn around noon, we have oh, a lot of really out. great... Oh, you would love it. You would love it. Please come the next yes, time. Yes, you can link uh, We'll try to make it together. I would tap in for sure. Great conversations. So this is where this how this prompt kind of came from but we were talking about club shay shay mm. and we were talking about you know people's perceptions of like almost like holding podcast hosts to like a journalistic standard right so we opened up this conversation about how i i know you saw some of the feedback from uh -huh. people watching the cat williams interview and being like yeah. How come Shannon Sharp's not leaning in? How come he's not asking better questions? Which I think he took that feedback because I did watch the Monet, right, the Monique yeah, yeah, interview. Sure, yeah. And I could tell he was yeah. kind of in his journalistic <laughs> bag. <laughs> you saw that. Yeah. But yeah, like, what's your thoughts on like, oh, I mean, 
podcast hosts, though, as publicists, we are like, you know, using podcasts as platforms for our clients to tell their story, like almost like a new media, like booking them as if they're you know, booking them for traditional media to tell their stories. But they're being interviewed by, you know, hosts that might be doing for educational mm. purposes or entertainment pur purposes. Mm. Not all of them are journalists, but what's that standard? Like, do you think that there is kind of like a standard that hosts need to have or a responsibility they need to have similar to journalists? It's not journalism, so you can't necessarily hold them to that standard. Right. What's right. your take? That's a great question. And I love that you asked that question because a lot of people like, okay, we have to understand context is important. So I'm not going to hold Shannon Sharp to a Bomani Jones standard of, you know, interview style, right? It's just different interview styles, right? So, but these are Shannon's like his friends. That's like, if you like, you're a professional, right? Like you're an incredible publicist. You do great work in the audio realm. Like you have incredible clients. Y'all do dope stuff, right? But we could sit down and have a completely different conversation than the conversation if somebody wanted to interview you for, you know, whatever column they're going to write, right, about you. Yeah. It was just two different things. So I'm not expecting two friends to sit down and have the most journalistically integrate. Like, I'm sorry, I probably worded that terribly. But No, yeah, I, exactly. The, the most, like, code of ethics yeah, and right. integrity. So this is that... standard, you know, GQ interview if two friends are sitting down and they both just happen to be famous. But I do think that there is a level of responsibility that people should have if they're going to have these large platforms. I do think it's important to ask the questions that people want to hear the answers to. I think, yeah, but then at the same time, it's like, who can really interview Cat Williams to, like, Cat Williams owns his interviews. It doesn't matter who you sit. Larry King couldn't even direct a Cat Williams interview the way we want. Like, he's at Cat's mercy. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain people yes. asking from you, and you're just at their mercy. It just is what it is. They're that good. But some people, yeah, we want to hear the hard-hitting stuff, but I wouldn't go on Club Shay Shay expecting a certain standard of journalistic integrity or style or professional as someone who's a journalist by trade. Like Shannon's an ex-athlete who's doing amazing things in the space of, you know, entertainment. And he's jumping off to a new level. Like we've seen him more so only sports oriented on, you know, for the most part. Now we're starting to see him just with his friends in an atmosphere where people can come in there and take their armor off or let their guard down and just talk to someone that they actually like feel safe talking to. And I think that's another thing that people are leaving, leaving out. Like, how safe does your guest feel when they come on your platform? You can clearly see they have a they they look at him like family because they're letting it all out when they pull up on Club Shay Shay. They're not as guarded. They're not as politically, you know, inclined. They're pulling no punches on that platform. And it's because and it's, so there's certain people who are giving the feedback. I'm like, yeah, that person would never feel comfortable sitting down and talking to you in this, in this fashion. But then there's some people I'm like, OK, I get it. There are some questions that we kind of wanted there to answer to or some follow-ups that we probably are some deeper level of questioning and we probably wanted to see. But yeah, I, so that in a roundabout way of answering the question, it's fair to ask for higher standards. And you see he implemented those with the Monique interview. But yeah. um, I think it's important to understand that it's just entertainment on that level. Like he's not a political, like, you know, reporter. He's not yet. So you have to just take what you can get at that point. You got to just take what you can I took it two ways. Like, I love what you said. That was a lot of the sentiments in that conversation that we had, too, where it's entertainment, people holding him to the standard. I think it's I think it's maybe a little bit of two things. I think it's one, a little bit of I, I kind of take it as a compliment. They really liked the interview. They're yeah. really engaged. People were watching it from start to finish. That was a long interview. It was. People were you know, yeah. or something like that. That's crazy. And I sat here and, and it, I just watched that Monique one too. That was another like two hour thing. So and it was good. It was good. It was great. Yeah, yeah. because they're let their armor was off. Yep. They let their hair down. They're talking. There's tea was spilled. I know people were like, Shannon Sharp. Like it was not on our bingo card to have Shannon Sharp be leading these conversations. Yeah, you're off crazy. And now he's been running with it ever since then. Like, he ain't, man, like he's, he's permeating places that I didn't think he was going to like be. Like I'm seeing him in certain outlets like, damn, all right, Shannon, I see you off. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And it shows how it, it's another way to show like how multifaceted it can be to be in these realms and have yeah. your own platform. And so yeah. I take it as like, again, a compliment that people kind of just want more. They're just engaged. Yep. And then another way I take it, and maybe this is just my bias of in like, you know, a journalistic bias, but people like kind of craving that 
that standard, like that news, like getting information from a trusted source. Right. So that kind of brings me back to the whole, you know, more journalists having platforms yeah. type of thing, because it's almost like we need kind of like more journalist creators, like you that do. hybrid. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. because we, it's like maybe, yeah, no, people aren't really reading CNN and like New York, and New York Times, like a lot of these outlets have their issues. They really do. And people aren't paying attention anymore. They're it's reading fact. the shade room like it's yep. fact. Mm -hmm. And to have like a creator journalist be on these platforms and talking to you and their audience trusts them and they are following journalistic standards of telling the being truth tellers mm -hmm. and being non-biased and yep. all that good stuff. I think people kind of, maybe we need more of that for that reason. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I think we should be a little bit more mindful of the outlets that we support and where we put our clicks and our likes at and our retweets at or our co retweets or whatever TikTok vids about whatever. I think we should be a little bit more choosy in the people that we're actually responding to or doing reaction stuff towards because that's when you put that that when you put that attention there, that's where the attention goes. And so if you have a person that does interviews or do write ups or something like that that you know or you follow, support them, retweet, put more people onto them. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like, so I, I agree. I think you you're right. We do have great you know, people who have journalistic backgrounds who actually do non-biased fact-checking, you know, deep dives on stuff. And I absolutely agree with you. We should support those people and push them just as much. Let's support them. Let's lift them up. This, there's so many gems here. Thank you so much, DeAndre. Like, I've been really, like I said, waiting to have this conversation just because I know there are a lot of people who have had these questions or just kind of want to feel validated in their, you know, creative journey. So I appreciate you taking the time to just really be transparent. I know that you are always about, you know, building your community and being open to speaking with new For people. Sure. So where can we find you? Where can people connect with you? And how can we support you? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such a refreshing conversation and your perspective in real time. Obviously, I see the tweets and, the, and you know, the stuff that you post like LinkedIn and you do a great job. But I think talking to you is, is another level of just it just unlocks all of the information you have in your perspective is so dope. So anybody working with you is very lucky. Uh, I appreciate I, you. More collaborations this year yeah. with you and I. I yeah. already know. And so for me, like, I'm very, like, easy to find. Like, if you can stomach my Twitter, I don't say nothing crazy, but I just, I'm random and I just fire off random tweets. But I'm on Twitter at D-Royale. So D-R-O-Y-A-L-E. I'm on LinkedIn, DeAndre Royster. You can always inbox me there or just, you know, follow Bow. I'll follow you back. Instagram, D-Royale as well. And also you can, you know, I'm pretty much everywhere. So Instagram, Twitter, it's all D-Royale. And then my real name, DeAndre Royster. So, and also you can email me if you feel more comfortable having that type of conversation or want to reach out for some advice or just anything. You know, I'm always accessible via email. It's D-Royale1045 at gmail.com. Oh yeah. And so in terms of like, you know, for me, I just, I look forward to doing more community building. Like I want to be a part of these conversations. I want to be a part of the decision-making to really help creators get more bang for the buck and also be able to live sustainably off of, you know, hopefully we get to the part where podcasts start collecting residuals. And so that would be fire. It's a conversation for another time, but I'm looking forward to bettering the business for independent creators. The more prevalent audio creativity and outlets have become, I really want that business model to catch up and really make sure people aren't getting, you know, swindled in the marketplace and also still creating value for themselves and for their partners. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing more of that. I know we have a lot that we'll be able to follow up on. I can see so many great things happening for you already, and you've had such a great trajectory at this point thus far. So keep going. Keep that main character energy. We love to see it. Thank you so much again, Dave. Thank you so much, Tiff. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to Main Character Energy. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating or a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to follow on social at Tiff or Die and Main Character Energy Pod to access exclusive content and get a behind-the-scenes look as well as resources to help you become that bitch. See you next week.